Welcome to the Who Shuffled Tabletop Podcast. Episode 12, Brad Talton. Welcome to another episode of Who Shuffled. I'm Tom Tanner, and today with me is an old friend of mine, Josh Vickers. How's it going, Josh? Hey, Tom. Thanks for having me on the show. I'm glad to have you. We've known each other for a very long time through grade school, middle school, and high school together. Why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself? Yeah, Tom. I think we've known each other about as long (laughs) as uh, two people can know each other. We grew up in the, the same small town. I think our families have known known each other probably for generations at this point um yeah so i think I'm, i've got more scoop on you than ryan or you have probably so um so tell let everybody know a little bit about your gaming background well uh, i think like most people you know we played we played board games growing up i think that for me board games always kind of had a special place in my heart i got a chance to play those when i was younger with my family of course but also more specifically my father um, who kind of introduced board games to me. I remember sitting around the table playing Trivial Pursuit and, you know, being six or seven years old, b- barely old enough, you know, I mean, old enough to read, but not really old enough to understand the questions, certainly not know the answers, uh, but really having a fun time putting the little cheese pieces in the circles uh, and trying, you know, trying to get around the board. Uh, so for me, I think I had kind of the same experiences that most Americans had growing up. Um but really, you know, I didn't kind of have that epiphany, that uh, board game fever, as it were, until a couple years ago. Me and my wife were both in grad school and kind of, you know, didn't have much money. Uh, didn't didn't really have much time. Uh, but we wanted to do find something that we could do together that was enjoyable for both of us. And so I think one day we were just, you know, riding around town. We decided for reason that's still kind of unknown to me we stopped in a comic book store of all places just because we had a few minutes to spare i think before going to a dinner and um you know i I stumbled upon a game that you may have heard of called dominion and that i think that really is what sparked it for us we took it home we played it a couple times and it was just this total awakening for me this uh you know it was like the light light bulb went off my head it was you know wait a second you're telling me that games can be like this they can be you know all i've ever known is monopoly and risk and you know phase 10 and clue but you're telling me that there are board games like this that i can play and so that was really um i think when you know we we kind of got interested yeah it's interesting that that was kind of your your gateway to the hobby because i think ryan and hugh that was the same game for them and it was one of our you know probably first four or five that we ever tried so definitely has got a special place for the whole who shuffled <laughs> crew so far yeah i think i mean i think it's a great game you know you've got the game variability so game to game is totally different it's a totally different set of cards out in front of you. everybody's kind of on the same playing field as far as you know no one there aren't asymmetry there's not a, asymmetrical powers everybody's just kind of starting out with the same deck of cards and you kind of get to build something through the course of the game the games are short it, the rules are super easy to teach. 
you know, so I think it was the perfect game for us to start with, the perfect game for us to kind of really get into because other people uh, will find it, you know, just as easy to get into it. And so for all those reasons, uh, it was one that me and my wife could play over and over and over again. We could play it while we were watching TV together. We could play it, you know, after dinner. And it was just a great way for us to spend time together. That's really cool. That's pretty much my main, I think I've said it on the show a few times, that was my main motivation for getting into board games like this um, is for me and Lauren and for the kids, you know, to have something to spend spend face-to-face real time with each other instead of watching TV or everybody on their phone. Sometimes I just want to take all the phones and throw them out the window. But I'm really excited to have you on the show. And let's be real, though. The only reason you're on the show today is because we have – Mr. Brad Talton as a guest that we're fixing to be hooking up with just in a few minutes. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, as prestigious as your podcast is, the only reason that I have agreed to come on this show is because we do have the one and only Brad Talton from Level 99 Games. I think that uh, Level 99 Games may be a company that the listeners are not too familiar with, uh, but they do have quite a few titles out which are very popular within the hobby board game community. Two of those that kind of spring to mind are Pixel Tactics, like you mentioned, is Cell Swords. I think uh, Pixel Tactics is one that a buddy of, or one of our mutual buddies, James, and I like to play a lot. Uh, and I think recently you've given it a go. And um, Cell Swords is one that my wife and I really like to play together. It's kind of a quick two-player card laying game where you're laying cards on the table and flipping cards. Um, and so that's something that we can kind of you know, play quickly and enjoy. Cool, cool. Well, unless you got anything else, we'll just get straight to the interview. Yeah, I think that'll be a better part of the show anyway, so why don't we hop into it? And now it's time to talk to our special guest, Mr. Brad Talton. How you doing, Brad? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Super excited for having you here. I guess the reason we got you on the show here is we got a chance to play Imperial Spells and Steam. Yeah, Imperial Spells and Steam. Well, we played, uh, the three of us played a game together, and I think you guys played one in your, your spare time after that as well. Right, right. Yeah, we have. Ryan was with us, and Mutual Buddy Hugh got in on it this last time. So you guys have played more Imperial than like 99.9% of all humans that have ever lived at this point. We are Imperial experts. Yeah. yeah. Um, some a little more than others since I did win this last time pretty handedly. I thought we said we weren't going to go into that time. <laughs> <laughs> I said we weren't going to talk about the, the combo, but I didn't. I was definitely going to say that I won. That's the most important part. The combo. That sounds like it's in caps. In, in quotation marks, caps, and underlined. The wombo combo. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I hope you guys had a great time with it. Yeah, it was, it was awesome. We did. We were just playing one today, and uh, and it, it it ended up quite well. It was a good good stream. Yeah, I'll th- I'll say definitely the second time playing it, uh, I wound up enjoying it a lot more. You know, I think the more I've played it, the more I'm kind of getting into it. So it's a game that grows with you, and that's what we. It's one of our philosophies in design. We want to make a game that is going to that's going to teach you something new each time you play it. You'll see new opportunities. Um, the first time, the tenth time, the hundredth time, if we do the job right. Absolutely. Yeah, I think this game has a lot of depth, and we can kind of get into that as we go. But this this game really, I thought, was uh, kind of hitting on all cylinders. Awesome. Awesome. Warms my heart. 
I definitely wanted to give the listeners some backstory because I know we have a lot of listeners that are very new to board games. So um, do you want to just kind of introduce yourself and you know let everybody know about your company? And- yeah, I'll do the, uh, the old CV. So uh, my name is, is Brad Talton. I run a game company called Level 99 Games. We make games that are designed for, I guess I would say, the, uh, the video gamer generation. Um, I, I was kind of like way back there when the NES came out, and that was what I was raised on. And so um, I had been, and so I designed a lot of board games that were based on my favorite video games. And as I, uh, as I got older, I learned that, oh, there's actually a designer board game industry. I could get into this and do this for a living. Um, so after doing a couple, some work in, in different industries, I eventually uh, dropped out of that and got into being a full-time designer slash publisher. And my real job is to be a publisher. That's where the actual money is in the industry. You don't get too far as a designer unless you're, you know, someone crazy like Rob Davio. But uh, for me, um, I, I I publish, and so that it kind of involves the whole pipeline of hiring artists, working with graphic designers, working with other designers, doing the development of the games, and taking that all the way to production and delivery, and then to stores. So I've got experience along the entire way over the course of about, uh, I guess it's been about six years now that I've been doing this. That's awesome. What do you think is your favorite part of this whole um, process? My favorite part of the process is getting to meet people that enjoy the games. It's really cool when you meet someone and they're like, hey, I played you know, Pixel Tactics or Millennium Blades or BattleCon, and it's like my favorite game. And I, I, get, I get all excited when I hear people say stuff like that. So it's my, uh, that's really what I do it for, is to hear the fans say, like, are we really enjoy the game. What's coming out next? We're excited. Well, you're going to definitely have a good time and be excited on this episode because Josh, I've tried to get him on the podcast um, for quite a while, and this is his first episode as well. And basically the only reason he's here is because of you, because <laughs> he's ah. such a big fan of all your games. So. I, w- I will not do another podcast. This is the only episode I'm doing, Brad. <laughs> I'm only this, is, this, is, this is the best episode. You don't need to do any more after this. It's all downhill from here. Perfect. That's true. That's true. We, we, this is our peak. <laughs> we, we've peaked. <laughs> yeah. So, so you guys have played a few level 99 games then, it sounds like. Absolutely. Yeah. I've only played um, Pixel Tactics and the, um, the new one, the Imperial. So I'm very new to all of your games, but okay. I, out of those two, I haven't played one I didn't like so far. Josh is definitely the connoisseur, and he's trying to teach me, and he's trying to bring me into all these other games that you've made. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned NES. I mean, I think that comes through in a lot of your game designs. I think that was one of the things that initially drew me. Actually, I know it was the thing that drew me to uh, your line of games. When I saw Pixel Tactics for the first time, it kind of reminded me of all of those old Nintendo games that you know we played when we were kids and it kind of gives you that nostalgia feeling that you don't really get many other places and I think that was that was really cool and so when I was able to get into the games more um, it was just a lot of fun to have that experience well the box itself I mean it looks like an NES cartridge right I mean that's yeah, kind of yeah. What you were emulating there, right, right. There, there's some games that have done that have been a little more on the nose than than us in in okay. that emulation, but I like to think that we're probably the most accurate to that classic you know, that classic aesthetic yeah. of play, at least. Yeah, I think so. What we're really known for is battle games, like 1v1 battle games, Exceed mm-hmm. and Battlecon specifically. Um, Battlecon being the kind of the classic de facto one versus one fighting card game. Uh, so if you guys haven't tried Battlecon yet, I would encourage you to, to check it out. It's um, sort of like Street Fighter for your kitchen table, I guess would be a good way to describe it. Yeah, absolutely. We That's, that's definitely on our 
to-do list to get it off the wall of shame. No. <laughs> yeah, and the uh, the other one is Millennium Blades. That's the other thing that we're really known for these days. Is Millennium Blades is a board game about a group of friends that play a collectible card game, also called Millennium Blades. So, <laughs> this yeah, this is about the meta of like the CCG lifestyle. You you know you get okay. a stack of cash. You go out, you buy booster packs. You use those cards. You trade with your friends. You fuse cards together. You build a deck, and this all happens in real time. And after time runs out, you have to play whatever deck you managed to build in the tournament. Tom, have you have you seen this game? I, I'm looking at it right now. This is the most meta game that you can get. It is insane. I haven't haven't played it yet because I don't honestly don't know who I would play it with in my life right now. But it's an Me. awesome concept. <laughs> yeah, I would play it. I mean, we would play it together, obviously. <laughs> But <laughs> I think, you know, on the day, on a day-to-day basis, that's kind of what's kept me from it. But it's, it's awesome looking. Everybody who's played it that I've talked to loves it. But it certainly is uh, kind of the king of meta. It was as much fun to make as it is to, uh, as it is to play. It looks like a heavier game. It's, uh, it's about 15 pounds. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's, got, okay. it's got like 600 cards in the base game, I think. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty crazy. But uh, but it's a good kind of crazy. That's the kind we like, and we've yeah. uh, so we've had a lot of fun with it. And uh, so yeah, so that's the kind of stuff that we that we're generally known for is is um are those those titles in particular. Have you um had any designs or working on any designs that kind of don't fit your you know theme of the video games or is that we've done a few. I mean, Millennium Blade's obviously not a video game theme, but it's more of like Magic the Gathering or Yu-Gi-Oh themed. Uh, there's a lot of heavy references to those those two games in particular. Because um, right. I also grew up playing a lot of Magic um, back in the day, uh, as I'm sure we all did. Uh, you guys played a few CCGs, right? I've never played Magic, but yeah, I've played yeah. Pokemon. Po- Pokemon, and, yeah. You know, as a kid, and my girls play um, Destiny now. So. Oh, okay. Star Wars cool. one. Oh I've yeah, yeah. I, haven't, I haven't played that. Yet. Hearthstone. Hearthstone's yeah. pretty cool. I've I've been yeah. enjoyed Hearthstone. Uh, but yeah, so so playing those games kind of got me. Uh, to make uh, Millennium Blades, but we do a few other games. Um, Argent is a game that uh, was designed... So, I also, I don't design all the games. Um, Argent was designed by um, a designer named Trey Chambers, who is a really cool guy. He built that game, and then we purchased the design of the game, we themed it up with all of our characters and artwork and everything, and we brought that out. And that's more of a Euro-style game. So, the kind that's, you know, that's popular in Germany and with the more, like, the trendy board game crowd, right? Uh, mm-hmm. It's all, like, worker placement and secret uh, secret goals and, you know, variable player powers, all these buzzwords. Um, but it's it's a lot of fun, uh, that one as well. And that is kind of the prequel to Imperial. So, if you thought Imperial was cool, check out Argent as well. You might uh, you might find that you enjoy that one, too. Yeah, Argent definitely looks more like, like my my style um definitely i was looking at it last time i think you told us that when we were playing the game Mm -hmm. yeah and that's by the same designer trey chambers and the same artist no comento oh it's the same artist same artist as well um and then the graphic designer is new to this project so the the visuals like present visual presentation is much higher quality in imperial i have to say um i could say that because i designed the graphic the visual presentation in argent (laughs) and um i know laura's better than me i i admit it so, so this is their, this is kind of that team's that combination, uh, Trey's and uh, and Nocomento, our artist's second project. It's in the same world. So, you see, like in Argent, everybody's in college. They're they're studying. They're trying to take over the school and become the archmage, or um, you know, become the the chancellor of this university. And then in Imperial, you are railway captains trying to build this railway across the continent. 
And a lot of the characters that were students in Argent have now graduated and entered this new industry. So you see a lot of the specialists are, you know, adult versions of the people that were kids back in Argent. And that's a really cool part of this world because this game, Battlecon, Argent, Imperial, they all take place in this persistent world called Indians where the same characters tend to show up doing different things and in different roles. So are you trying to really get into like a world building kind of thing or just like, are you looking at maybe like an RPG or anything like that down the road? We've been looking at RPG for a long time. RPGs are, are, are pretty tough. Um, we haven't had success with them in the past, but I'm hoping that we will uh, be able to do a World of Indians RPG and uh, perhaps some other games as well. We, um, but it's, it's, it's kind of just neat to have a world that ties everything together for people who have played, you know, have played one thing and they, you know, know about a play style and they're like, oh, I really liked how this guy was in Battlecon. Let me see how they play in this other game that's in a completely different genre. And right. I think it's introduced a lot of people to who would, who would normally avoid one genre and encourage them to try something that's a little out of the ordinary or out of their normal wheelhouse. Um, I know a lot yeah. of people said that about Argent. They're like, well, I didn't really like worker placement games, but I like the characters, so I decided to give Argent a try and was pleasantly surprised by it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Seasons is one of my favorite games of all time, and I, I know all the cards <laughs> pretty much by memory and played Seasons, you know, a lot before I ever, ever heard of Lords of Zidit or however you say mm-hmm. it. Yeah, yeah. And um, and I saw that and I was like, eh, I don't know about this game because I didn't even realize what it was at first. And I don't think that's my style. And then I look on the like on the board or something and I see one of the characters from Seasons. and I was like, oh, my God, wait, that's the same people. And I'm like, I have to have it. So I bought it. You know, it's like because um, it's like that's my world. right? It's cool. Yeah. it You kind of feel like you're coming home to a place there. You recognize everybody. Yeah. So. yeah. Yeah, I was, telling, I was telling Tom, I think that, you know, you guys at this point, you've built this world, and I think you have so many people that are bought in and, and kind of enjoy this uh, place that you've created, that your Kickstarter, you know, I can't imagine that it's not going to be exceedingly uh, successful, and I'm really kind of looking forward to seeing, you know, you guys have that ride. I know the game is amazing, and it's going to do well, even on its own, had it not been themed this way, but I, I think putting it in this world really is going to draw in those people who enjoy enjoy that yeah well the game i mean the game really was made for the world like uh i you know trey and i were talking we're like what we really need is a fantasy railway game for the world of indians so any other said like like i'll like i don't want to do that i want to make this game that will be this fantasy train game because that's something that's not out there in the market i mean the only other one out there, I think, is Iron Dragon, which was like almost 60 years ago at this point, I think. Maybe maybe 30. That's true. I haven't I thought about that. As many railway games as there are, this is the only one like that. That's pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. So the world of endings, you said, I mean, so Battlecon, that's also in the same world? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A okay. lot of the okay. characters in Battlecon show up as specialists in this game or even as company leaders in this game. Okay. So that would probably make mean a lot more to me <laughs> if I had played Battlecon to begin with, right? Yeah, well, recognize it, 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 it works the other direction too. Like you know, right, you right. you can play with uh, with Runica or Seth, two of the characters in there, and then you can go back and play in Battlecon, and you can say, oh well, I definitely want to play this the steampunk person because she was cool in in Imperial. What kind of yeah. what kind of tech is she going to have for combat? You mentioned before we started recording about board games that we might want to turn into to films. Um, is that something you ever thought about? Like maybe, maybe not a film, of course, but, or maybe, I don't know, but like a comic or any other media besides games themselves? I definitely do want to do some other media stuff. I mean, we're working on a few video games right now with, uh, with, we're working on a Battlecon video game and a Pixel Tactics video game, but I really want to do a, a real video game. That's not just a translation of one of our existing 
board games, but it's actually a standalone video game. Um, as far as like comics, I, I love to do comics. Um, I'm a big fan of comics, but uh, comics are tough to write. Like there's, it's a lot of work to write sequential art like that. And most of mm -hmm. our artists are um, more illustrators and not uh, sequential artists. Um, that said, we, we certainly, they certainly have the talents for it. It's just a matter of time. Um, mm -hmm. You know, comics are, there are a couple, there's a couple different classes of like, like things you can make, right? Um, and there are things that like make money and there are things that don't make money, right? If you make a movie, for example, like a movie can do pretty well, um, but it's, it's generally more about the merchandise that's sold out of that movie. You know, the popcorn, the flyers, the fancy cups, the promotions, that kind of stuff, the sponsorships. And it's the same way with like, say like a, you know, you make a, t uh, a TV show. It's more about selling the ad space during that TV block than it is about making money on the actual show itself. Comics are one of those properties where, or one of those kind of goods where you don't make a lot of money on a comic. You make money on selling the merchandise related to the comic. Uh, whereas board games are the opposite. Like if you if you make a board game, you can sell the board game and it's self-sustaining. So right. I guess what I'm saying is I don't think we have the critical mass where we can just make a comic and not care whether it's successful or not. Um, mm -hmm. or, you know, or we can't make a comic just to just to be a promotional tool for our for our board games. And so we have to reach that kind of critical mass first before we can do those sort of transmedia things. Right. Asmodee has just launched a whole entertainment division. <laughs> they're doing movies yeah. and TVs. I don't know if you had heard of that. But, I, um, I mean, they got they're making a money. Catan movie. Why not? <laughs> they, they, that's what they announced. So they're making a Catan movie. And I'm just like, mm, <laughs> maybe that'll be good. <laughs> I, I don't like, I, I, you know, I don't, I, I don't see it. Like, they, they own so many IPs right now. I'm just thinking Catan. Yeah, I mean, I Catan. guess it's so so universally known as a as a game. So I mean, but an, an Android movie would be so much better. Like, like thank you. you, know, that's you got exactly Fantasy what Flight. I was say. Cyberpunk you do... is so like popular right now. Like, yeah, that's exactly. How did we all three stuff. think the exact same thing? I, mean, I had this conversation with someone. I thought it might have been you. It wasn't you, Josh. I don't know. We might already Maybe. have this conversation. I was just thinking, you know, my top three would be Android, followed extremely closely by Carcassonne. Followed extremely closely by Matai and I. What are you talking about? Are you being sarcastic? Yeah. I hope so. Yeah. Matai and I would be a pretty Android. difficult IP, I think, <laughs> to work with. I gotta, I gotta admit. Um, but the, the sarcasm didn't come across. I yeah, wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, wait a second. Carcassonne. See, that's. I, I think that's the thing, right? Like with a lot of games, like if you make a Catan movie, it would just be a movie about settling an island. Like, right. Like it doesn't. It doesn't tie to Catan. It's like. It's like Battleship, right? Like. Like, how do you make the Battleship movie about the game? You don't really. It has to be about the property. At some point, they're going to have to trade sheep for wood. That's all I know. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, that's, like, that's the only moment that I'll tell you it's a Catan movie. It's like, oh, it is Catan. But, they're trading. But here's the thing, right? Like, like on so many board games, the IP is so dry. And it's done specifically that way for accessibility purposes. That they make the IP right. so dry that they, you really couldn't make a movie out of it. I think like Clue is is the best board game movie of all time, is what I've heard from this from hearsay. Um, Never seen Clue. I, I haven't seen Clue. I know I'm probably probably gonna get a lot of angry comments for that at the end of the show. I haven't, I haven't seen it either, Brad. It's what funny. is wrong with you people? But they say it's really good, right? But like <laughs> yeah. at least those characters, because they named the characters at least, and they have a personality. Um, yeah, well, Tim Curry. That's like I mean, I love Tim Curry, but he's just like that's one of his. 
I mean, okay, I'm looking it up here. It's obviously got terrible reviews, and it's like 59%, 36 on Metacritic. Yeah. But, um, but I mean, when I was a kid, I saw it, I guess, came out in 85, so it came out before I was born. But I saw it when I was a young kid, and um, I just loved it. And I've always – I've made my kids watch it two or three times. Oh, yeah. already. With all <laughs> so. the different endings? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, on I think it's, it was on Netflix for a while, but I don't think it's on there anymore. Oh, but okay. You could, I said look it it up. had like a little – you could skip through to the different endings like it'd be like hit next for the next ending you know or whatever. Huh. even on netflix i don't know they they had all that worked out but that's cool um well you know the thing the thing i guess about it is is that um it's much easier to take a non-interactive experience and make it a interactive experience whereas the game is you know it's not linear and it's not uh driven you know it's um what's the word it's non-linear and it's interactive so the players have this agency and they control it and you're kind of the main character it's much harder to turn that experience into a movie than it is to take a movie, which is you know a non-interactive linear experience, and to turn it into a game, thus allowing players to kind of be the main character and also to explore the different paths that they could have taken in the right. in the course of the you know of that adventure. I just thought of something that I would like better than Android, and it's kind of when you said that, that's what made me think of it. Is um I have never seen a good Cthulhu movie. Why not Arkham Horror or Mansions of Madness like that type? I mean, I know there's Lovecraftian movies. So but... many horror, so many horror movies come out every year. But yeah, I mean, it's so popular in the board gaming world. You would think that. Yeah, I think it was probably the closest you get to like Lovecraftian yeah. style horror. Yeah, I think I think there's a space for that. I just I'm not sure Absolutely. why it hasn't been tapped yet. Absolutely. What was that game, the video game where the guy's a writer? And it's all about the, like the light. Alan the light Alan the Wake. Characters. Alan Wake. Yes, yes. Oh man, that game I mean, is that, so good. Yeah, I imagine a Lovecraft Wake. movie, you know, but it's all Lovecraft stuff. Like maybe mm-hmm. it actually could be him himself. Yeah, well, they have some video games awesome. for for Call of Cthulhu. Um, I haven't played yeah. them. Apparently, they're they're okay. I have some friends. Yeah, but that I'm in a I'm in a film them. sort of sort of with that same plot. I mean, that would be mm-hmm. kind of cool. Yeah, absolutely. I think I so. I wouldn't too. be able to watch it. Not not at least not at night with the lights off. You know? <laughs> Josh played Mansions of Madness for the first time with me the other night. Oh, so yeah. How'd you like Mansions of Madness? Through. Well, we didn't finish the first well, area. Did you play the new edition or the old one? The new oh, the new well, one. Without, oh. without, <laughs> a, without a DM. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, we, we played it online using... He, basically, he shared his screen with me to, to run the app. Oh, okay. And then we played it over tabletop. It was, uh, it was a little fuzzy. Plinky. It's Plunky. it is a little but bit it, it is a little bit I I have to say I'm kind of partial to first edition with that has a DM that it wasn't always the most interesting to be the DM but it was at least like you could you know you could make the game work if if something because with the current online version um, if you make a mistake you can glitch out the game like if you if you miss a rule the computer you can't explain to the computer oh I missed this rule we're actually over here <laughs> it's it in um. You know, hmm. so those kind of exceptions don't work as well. Um, That's funny you said that because I've, I've I've played it probably eight or ten times the second edition. And I was in a scenario when we like we uh, got all the way through the scenario, and then we realized there was a second objective that hadn't been that we hadn't picked up on, where we had to go rescue this other guy. And uh-huh. so we were at the boat. All the monsters were like crowded around the boat. We're like, "Come on, let's leave. Let's leave on the boat." And then we talked to the captain. He's like, "I can't leave until you find this guy." And it turns out he was in a like in a in a, an alleyway, a you know, yeah. yeah, in a closet, like halfway across town. I know the scenario. I've yeah. <laughs> so, um, so I got we got confused, right? I think a, I think a human GM probably would have said like, "Oh, you guys know you need to find this guy first. Yeah. You know, yeah. and let us know. 
Uh, but but that's just kind of your fault for not paying attention. Yeah, yep. I suppose. I suppose. Did you ever experience the fatal flaw with the first edition? Where I experienced the the fatal freezer. I don't know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's one there's one scenario in the first one where um, there's a door and this guy like if you go into the room there's this guy he's like don't go in the freezer and then he runs away and if you go in the freezer like you just like fall into the uh another, you know into another like, dimension. dimension yeah and Ithaqua escapes and the whole game ends um and this is a game that takes like 30 minutes to set up right and you can lose in the first 10 minutes by jumping in the freezer that's in the opening um scenario the one that me and Josh were playing I mean Josh has already made the decision not to open it so I'm not spoiling it for you I hope but um, but anyway, there's like a refrigerator that's the same thing. It's, it's okay. I was thinking it's a, about going back and opening it, Tom. I was actually thinking about that today, and I'm glad you told me because now I'm not going back. I mean, I mean, maybe it's good. I don't know. <laughs> don't go in the freezer. Tom, I knew Tom had played the scenario before, and when he left the room, I was like, it's time to get out of here. I'm going. He's going. <laughs> yeah, I try not. I mean, actually, though, I don't know for sure because um, the app could change that. You know, I mean, really yeah. good. I mean, yeah, it's totally in, different. That's not like in every game is the freezer lethal. So yeah, I actually think I actually think I played it one time. And they opened it up and they got like an item that was good, like some kind of health, you know, or something. I don't know what it was, but you can't talk me into going back to the freezer, Tom. <laughs> I'm not trying to. I'm just saying I, I really do believe that all those things change, you know, in the, in with the app, which is cool. But yeah, it's a it's a cool game. It's a really neat game, and I uh, I'm a bit jealous of Mansion Madness design. There are a lot of things. There are a lot of things in there that I like. Man, I wish I'd come up with that. That's cool. Well, my favorite thing about it, and this could apply to a lot of games, is I think I'm a sucker for it. But um, And actually, Josh kind of mentioned this about Imperial, but um, maybe in a slightly lesser scale. But um, but with Mansions of Madness is, when I want to play Mansions of Madness with someone who maybe even isn't a, a big gamer, I, I feel, if, if they've got enough time, <laughs> you know, I mean, they're, they're okay with the time commitment, I would bring in someone who's maybe only played like a, you know, gateway game, like a Ticket to Ride or something, and just say, hey, we're going to play this. And I know when we played with a couple that really wasn't into board games, they'd played a few games with us, you know, not much. We just sat down and we're like, okay, pick a character. Here you go. And it's like, let's go start. You know, I didn't tell them anything. I didn't explain, explain any rules whatsoever. It was just turn one. I started moving and I'm like, okay, now you can go. And I explain it as we go. But the point of it is it's so easy to teach, so quick to get started, and then it feels like such a heavy, you know, rich experience, like such an accomplishment when you finish it, but mm-hmm. it's so quick to start. Yeah, I can and, see that. Yeah. And that was kind of like the thing with Imperial was, I mean, there was definitely some rules explanation, but for the, the complexity of that game and the depth of the strategy, um, I thought that it had a very either, I don't know, low or high curve, whatever you want to say, it was very easy to get started for that type of game. Because I've played games that were that deep before that take an hour or two hours to explain. I mean, really. You yeah. Know? So um, I think you got I think you got a good good thing going with it in that regard. You know? Well, I think that's, that's another big draw of the thematics is that players who are, who would not normally engage in an activity like this or for this length of time can get drawn in by the theme and will feel like they're, they're invested, will get invested. And it's something that you you get from theme that you don't necessarily get from economics and mechanics in a game. Absolutely. So have you thought about this is a little bit off topic, but coming back to the you know Mansions of Madness and the digital implementation of board games and an analog system? Have you? I know that you know with we talked about it earlier. Pixel Tactics has in is in alpha for an online version. Same with um, BattleCon. Have you thought about the other side of the coin bringing? a digital implementation to one of your analog games 
like like Mansions of Madness has. Are you talking about like app integration? App integration, yeah. Yeah, I've I've thought a little bit about it. I um, but I don't have any ideas where an app is required, and I think that was I I wanted to do one earlier this year, but I thought to myself like like I would not be the app wouldn't be necessary for this game. It would just be kind of like saving me a few part printed parts. So maybe yeah, I don't sure. necessarily want to do that. It's a it's a difficult thing, um, and it's a weird line. I think we'll probably see more games like that in the future, and I think I'll make one eventually. But I haven't uh, I haven't started on anything like that yet. I think it needs to be something that's organic. I mean, you don't want to try and force. You're not trying to cram an app, you know, into a board game. It should be something that just kind of you know this fits, like like Mansion of Madness. This fits the purpose so well and makes in such an eloquent fix for a complex problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's where people appreciate it and enjoy it in this, uh, you know, in kind of our industry versus when you're trying to cram something on the back end. Yeah. And it is, it is more difficult than it would at first appear because you have a, you know, a game state that's tracked by the position of your pieces on your board and your cards and et cetera. And then you have another game state that's being tracked by the app internally and keeping synchronicity between those can be extremely difficult unless you let players do a lot of overhead or unless you have a game that where the app is the, only has to interact with the state of the board in very limited situations. Yeah, I think, I mean, that's kind of what I was getting at with Mansions is, you know, it doesn't know where you are. You know, I mean, you you click on the clues and things and open up the event, but it doesn't have a clue. There's no tracking of where all the characters are, so it doesn't know who's where and what room or how close they are. It's just like, if this happens, you know, or if any of the people are within three spaces of this monster, you know, do the horror check or whatever it's called. But, um, so that's kind of neat. Like you said, it doesn't track it, but Going back to what Josh was saying, <clears throat> I think it's very important that app integration would be solving a problem that development comes up with or um, doing something that you just couldn't do, you know, in cardboard form or makes it a lot easier. Like, I mean, and these these campaign games or these dungeon crawls are a perfect example, like Imperial Assault. You know, they came out with an app later that's solely for solo mode, you know, not well, maybe not solely, but it started to be just solo mode. And now it's um, completely takes the place of the Imperial player. And so you can play, you know, cooperative with no DM, just kind of like Mantis of Madness did. But then there's like the escape room games, you know, the, I know Exit, I think it's Exit, either Exit or Unlock has a has an app that you play with, you know, along the way. And that's, you couldn't, couldn't do it without it because there's no way to hide these things, you know, these secrets as you're, you know, you know, going along, it keeps up with the time. And as the time gets, you know, like every 15 minutes, it reveals a new little hint and that kind of stuff. So I think in the right light, you know, it can be used very well, but just to make a game, say, Hey, we're going to make a game with an app in it. I think that's the wrong way. I think it's like you said, it kind of has to come up like, I really want to do this, but I can't, you know, Oh wait, what if we did it with an app? Then that would help, you know? Yeah, something something organic for sure. Let me ask you guys and take it one fir- step further. Have you played any of these video games that are board games, or that, that are video games with that are based not based on board games, but that are using the mechanics of board games? Games like um, some of the new deck building games that have come out in Steam recently, like Monster Slayers or Slay the Spire, or even some digital board games like Armello or you know the Civilization is the classic example. You're saying the digital only, but it's really a board game. Mm-hmm. They were they were clearly inspired by our, by the board game, by what's happening in board games. Yeah, I've played Armello, and I've played. I mean, we we played Hearthstone, you know, which I mean, you can make an mm-hmm. argument course, about it, but 
Um, I think what's so cool about those are kind of like what we were just saying is there's things you can do with those formats that you just cannot do in physical form, like like Hearthstone versus Magic, right? In Hearthstone, you can they have the um, what's it called? The disco- no, not discover. Is it discover? Yeah, the discover mechanic, and there's one other keyword. Like I can't uh, remember. Yeah. Oh man, I'm I've lost it too, but. But like the discover is a good one because like it's like you play a card and, and the the action is discover a card out of like every card ever or at least out of thousands of cards. Yeah, yeah. And they're cards that create other cards. Like there's a torch, you throw it, it puts a bigger torch in your hand afterwards and stuff like that. And and I mean a lot of people say, well, you know, I mean it's so much easier to track all the damage and that kind of stuff. But I mean that could be done with markers and and things. And magic players would say that you know that I'm crazy and that you know that it's they don't have any trouble keeping up with the health of all their cards and things like that. But but yeah, like you said, when you when you buff a card and there's like a chain reaction and it gets like like that inner fire for the priest. You know, I've had like a card get mm-hmm. to like 37 health and 37 damage or more, you oh, know, wow. and it's like, you know, that would be just, it happens in an instant in the game. It'd, it'd take us 20 minutes of our game just calculating exactly how much health this card has, you know, so yeah. just, just to be able to have those capabilities that you couldn't really do with card, mm-hmm. I mean, with, you know, in physical, I, I really like that about it. And Like in, uh, in Pixel Tactics, we had one where like you, um, in the physical pixel tactics, it's a card that just says like copy another card, like copy the effect of another card when you play this, and so you'd reveal the card and you then you'd keep it. But in uh, in pixel tactics online, you play this card and you pick a card from hand and actually make a second copy of it, mm-hmm. so you can play the second copy onto the field. You could play both of them as separate effects. You could play both of them for the same effect. Like they, they you get you get a bigger design space with these with yeah. some of these digital platforms and it's it's pretty neat to explore but um i really want to make a game like that at some point so that's something that i'm i'm looking forward to trying my hand at is making a real like all digital board game yeah that sounds awesome yeah um there's another one coming out of the card game um uh, valve's making it the dota card game if you ever oh, played that yeah game. it's like a uh, moba I based i've i played dota the original dota back when it was a warcraft 3 mod Okay. Yeah. So yeah. our circle of friends, we all started out playing Dota 2, you know, way back and mm-hmm. we've been playing it a lot, but some of them played the original too, but we're I mean, the original Dota. Yeah. But we, um, have you played any of the MOBA board games that have come out recently? Like, uh, Guardians of Atlantis, uh, no, Battle I looked Fair at Attorney that. Is coming out. I mean, um, I actually have mechs like versus minions, more. but that's totally not a MOBA. You know, it's based on League of Legends. Right. Yeah. Um, I've I, I looked into that Guardians or whatever you said it was called. I remember. Yeah, Guardians, Guardians Atlantis. Yeah, yeah, I looked into that pretty strongly, but I just I don't know. There was another game. There's so many games now. There are, but it surprises me that no like MOBA board game has has really caught on. Right. Among players. The Dota one. I don't know what they're gonna call it, but um, I think it's an alpha right now. Or they were showing some mm-hmm. screenshots. I don't know if anybody's actually. But that's kind it, of but. what like what Hearthstone is to Warcraft more than you know being an actual Dota card game. So like Hearthstone and Magic and all the ones that are, you know, kind of like mm-hmm. you're playing it out, you know, into a tableau or whatever you want to call it, you know, in one area to fight. Um, this yeah. one has the three lanes, which I think is so cool, you know, like the MOBA. So like the ones oh, that are playing over okay. here don't ever touch these. And so you're trying to control all three lanes at the same time. And if you get to the end and do damage, you have to do damage to the towers. Each one has a tower. And then mm-hmm. if you basically if you kill the tower twice on one row, um, then you win, or 
if you kill two towers or i don't know i'm trying to remember but basically you can get to the ancient somehow you know mm-hmm. and um, yeah, yeah. It, was, it was just a neat neat um strat or neat idea i don't i think that would make the strategy so much harder to be controlling three lanes instead of the one you know it's an it's an interesting it's an interesting thing it reminds me a little bit of uh game I played way back, the Fullmetal Alchemist trading card game, had like these objectives you had to capture each turn. Um, yeah. I feel like nobody else has ever played that game, but it was it was like my favorite of the trading card games back in the trading card game era. Yeah, I've never but, played uh, it. Uh, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I've, heard, I've heard of it, I've just never played it. I just watched the movie again on Netflix, and it's just as bad as the first time, but I still enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Brotherhood's so good. I know, I know. I've watched the, the series, but then I turn around and watch that movie, and I'm like, eh. Eh. so bad. Yeah. <laughs> well, when it comes to MOBAs, I'm really more of a... I, I like Heroes of the Storm a lot, because I like the different maps. I like that there's different objectives going around, and yeah. uh, and they force you to, to you know to change up and go to different places, so you're never just stuck in one place for too long. Yeah, so. we were big World of Warcraft players way back in the day, so we, um, uh, yeah. we definitely were drawn to Heroes of the Storm, but we... I don't think any of us really... There's about like eight or ten of us that kind of play games together online, and um, I don't think any of them really play, you know, heroes. Uh, we, well, we all go back to Dota. <laughs> we just keep getting drawn back. Yeah, you might have to but, teach me sometime. Yeah, I, I have it's a learning I have curve. Friends that that really enjoy Dota. It, it's a big learning curve. I played League of Legends before. I was the only one in the group that played it, and I finally got to where I thought I was good. I was actually playing competitively, and then then I find out it's like, oh yeah, we've all been playing Dota for two years. And I'm like, well, no one told me, and then I had to switch over, and now I'm the noob again. You know. So. Yeah, well, that's that's always that's always fun too. It's right, experiencing right. a new a new game paradigm, even if it right. is kind of similar. Seeing what transfers and what doesn't, and right. you know, yeah. So, do you play a lot of? I mean, like, apparently you do. You play a lot of video games as well, still. I try. I I set aside time to play some video games. Uh, I play a lot of board games. I have groups that get together and play board games. But um, so I, I do a podcast of my own. Level Cap uh, is what it's called, and uh, we talk about video games and so every every few weeks um i try to play one or two more games so that we have a new game to talk about on the show Ooh. so i have to I have yeah. to look that up i didn't know you were doing that yeah yeah we're on episode 66 which is like 99 upside down yeah <laughs> <laughs> this must be a really important episode for you guys no not really i don't think we even noticed it till it was over <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh, um but it, it's, it's it's a lot of fun we get on we banter and we talk about stuff and um you know, it's just a way to keep in touch and uh, and to talk about things. Well, the good news is in 33 episodes, you can plan a big episode. I know, right? We gotta, I gotta start planning for it now. Yeah, yeah. But if you need, if you need a big name to come on, I'm happy to come on. Okay, I'll keep. I'll, I, I like. Don't, let me hold. I gotta hold you to that. I gotta write that down. Have Have your people get in touch with my people. All right. You know how it people. Works. Yeah, yeah. Like, don't call us. We'll call you. That kind of thing. Right? Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've got people for that. So, so tell me. <laughs> You know, t- tell me, tell me about Imperial, because I've, you know, I've, I've been following along. I'm really fascinated to kind of, you know, catch these updates, and then to have the opportunity to play it with you was awesome. But tell me about the, you know, the how, how this whole idea came along. I know you mentioned that, you know, you and and Trey were talking about wanting to create a, um, a railroad game in this kind of setting. Uh, but tell me a little bit more about the development of it, the backstory. Well. It went through a, a lot of iterations. I mean, Trey um, began with, um, I would say, with coming in from Terra Mystica being his like second favorite game of all time, and so approached the design that way. He wanted he wanted the different terrains to be 
one of the like the big the big thing for this game. And aside from the different terrains, it was um, you. It used to be that you you started with your player mat, and you had different slot. You had like six slots for spells that you could learn, and you put you take a spell, you put it on your board, and then you could spend your you could allocate your mana to that spell Manhattan Project style to do special effects. In addition, you also had a default build track, so you would just put your mana on the build track space and you'd build track on the colors. Some colors were more expensive for you, some colors were cheaper for you. Um, you know, it's just how how it went. Um, cities produced goods and shipped goods to other cities, classic railway style. And the there was a stock market in some of the early versions of the game. And as you shipped goods, stocks would go up and down, and you would get shares of those stocks when you shipped the goods. So you wanted to try and kind of manipulate the market um, so that uh, you know the more volatile goods stayed on the high end and that you could tank your opponent's goods in the late game. Um, and so we played those, you know, with that version and with a lot of changes um, going through for, it took us about two years, I think, to get to the present Imperial. But you can see where kind of all the mechanics went. Like the, the board is still there. Um, we wanted people to be building more tracks, so we put the goods on the spaces so that people would have to build out further and further to get the goods rather than just linking up the cities on the board. We put uh, the, um, you know, this like freeform place mana on spaces to use the effect, kind of became this more limited rondelle system where you have to like walk down the line to delivery and then, and then jump back and then walk down again. It took a it took a lot of iterations, and it uh, it took a lot of uh, you know a lot of a lot of uh, of going back and forth on what we wanted from the game and what kind of play experience we wanted. But it was pretty clear from the beginning it was going to be kind of a a light to medium weight game with a lot of variability in player powers. And that was really what we wanted was to bring the American style of you know, like having a lot of effects, having a lot of cool stuff going on, having a lot of customizability to this Eurogame template of, you know, move goods, you know, uh, deploy workers, to, or rather use your workers to move, to, you know, activate spaces, to place trains, to ship goods. That's sort of a uh, more traditional paradigm. So I think it all, I think it's turned out pretty well all in all. Um, yeah, this from the sounds of it, this game has gone through a lot of iterations. Yeah, that, that didn't sound like any anything like the game I played. <laughs> yeah, 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 this is very different. I mean, I, the game that we have now is is very polished and it's it's awesome. I can tell you guys have been working on it a long time. It's always interesting to me to hear people talk about the process that you go through. I think, you know, myself included, the uninitiated don't realize the amount of work and playtesting and reiterations and breaking down and repolishing and rebuilding that goes on when you create something, especially a game that's as big and kind of, um, you know, with this, a game that, ha that is as um, encompassing as yours is. Mm. Well, it does, it takes, uh, it takes a lot of iterations. I think um, this is like Imperial 8.7 uh, that we're playing I'm now sure. that we're working on. Um, Trey's numbering system is a little different. So, like, when I got hold of it, it was, like, V1. Um, and we've done, like, seven versions since I, I got hold of it. Like, mm -hmm. I'm sure he did a lot more in the backlog. When I take a game from start to finish, I often have, like, 20 or 20, like, like 30 different rulebook versions. Every time I write a new rulebook, I change my version number. So, like, for one of my current games, uh, I'm working on an adventure game. And that's on, like, version 38 right now. 
Wow. <laughs> it's like like 38 complete overhauls of the rules and the uh, and the gameplay. And but that's that's you know that's why it's important that your job be publishing and your hobby be designing, and not yeah. uh, not vice versa because it's often hard to predict how long a development cycle will take. And if you just publish something because you have to get a deadline, it uh, it often doesn't turn out as well, even even among professionals. Yeah, when we had Rob on the show um, recently, Rob Davia, he was talking about um, we were at, somebody was asking they had a listener submit a question asking like the process of how to get started. Like if, if someone someone you know a listener wanted to become a game designer, and um, basically his <laughs> his first answer was something to the effect of figure out what that means, <laughs> you know, to you. Does that mean I want to publish one game or make a game for my friends to play, or I want to be a full time game designer? He said because those are wildly different things you're talking about how there's such a small percentage like if you look at the top 1000 games on um board game geek he said it would it would shock you how many of those designers um are not full-time designers like it's going to be a tiny percentage of those that actually do it for a living you know you know 40 hours a week kind of thing yeah and Um, i think that um i mean you can be a designer, but you're going to have to do other things. Like there's in our company, we have everybody does two or three different things. And uh, some of us even do a bit more than that, but we all like to design stuff for games in our spare time. So, you know, um, it's like, uh, I'll be, uh, uh, Josh will come in one day. Josh is my uh, production manager and he'll be like, like, Hey, I designed a new, like, um, you know, some new stuff for millennium blades. Let's play this on Thursday. Um, and, and that, and we'll do, uh, and we'll do that. And so it's, but it's something, it's always something that's, you know, that's separate. It's not the, uh, it's more the hobby portion. Like that's the part we do because we love it. Yeah. And then the work is what we do to actually get paid so that we can, uh, we can eat lunch and stuff. Right. That's good. <laughs> so that's important. Yeah. Lunch is important. I did have a question. I forgot to ask this earlier, but when we first got introduced to Imperial, you know, the name of it is Imperial um, Spells and Steam. And we played mm-hmm. through the whole game. You gave us a copy of the rules, read through them. And then yeah. um, I hadn't even thought about it until you just mentioned it about there being spells in the game before. Yeah, yeah. They There's were. only, I searched the document just now. There's only three mentions of spell, the word spell in your rules. And it's three times in the name of the game. <laughs> that, um, so what we, what we say is that that's the, that's where your, um, that's where your, your specialists come in. Okay. Uh, is, is yeah, assisting that. with that. They're casting spells, basically. Um, yeah, it is. It is a magical world, and so okay. all your technology is also magic. So you could also put that, like, where it's really techno magic in this world of Indians. Mm-hmm. So anything, anywhere you see the steam, the spells are implied. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I had I, I I had thought about that. A couple people had mentioned it to me that like like yeah, the spells are kind of gone. We had thought about even calling the engines spell cars instead of engines to get it across that they were run by magic, but. Um, I think it's might, that may be a little heavy-handed. Yeah, if you really think about it, I mean, there's ghost trains and there's a caterpillar train that eats stuff. So, I mean, that's yeah. not your typical <laughs> train cars, yeah. right? I mean, that's, there's got to be something going on fishy there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we haven't talked about the, the Cthulhu trains from space. Oh, I can't wait. Wait, there, there are Cthulhu trains from space? Did you get game? to play, like, Star Chaser yet? No. The, uh, the expansion company? No, we looked at it, and we were going to play it in the second we could, game. We couldn't decipher so, some of the the iconography. Yeah, I don't think those icons were in the rule book we had. Yeah, so they're we they're they're that. advanced. They're for they're for a um a planned expansion to the game. But they like they can just like drop trains down in a meteor and crash them onto anywhere on the board. 
yeah. and then start building from there. And it's uh, that's, yeah, we could, that's what I needed to beat Tom. Yeah, that's, what <laughs> that's exactly what I needed. But yeah, we we combed through the rules looking for it though. We couldn't. We weren't able to play with it. We've been talking for a little bit about the game, and I, I know that some of our listeners are like, "What in the world are they talking about?" Do you mind if I try and summarize the game? Sure, uh, go for it. Kind of my understanding of it, and then you can you can correct me where I'm wrong. This, this is probably going to be. This should be good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, go for it. Go for it. Uh, let's let's do this. So I think I think this is this is a game where you've got tableau building to some extent, where you're building combos. Obviously, it's a railroad building game uh, that also involves area control, and so I think of it as uh, another Euro style game uh, from Level 99 Games. Is that kind of what you guys were trying to create? Maybe, maybe. Well, I take a little issue with area control, but I think every, I think overall you're correct, right? Like the okay. it's we wanted to take a Euro style game template and we wanted to give it the level 99 treatment, uh, just kind of like we did with Argent. Like Argent was worker placement game. Imperial is going to be, um, I guess, yeah, tableau building for sure, because you build this engine and then you run the engine over and over again to to you know, over to go over the world and reach all these points. It's not truly pick up and deliver because you don't have to have a like a line connecting to the places. And it's not truly area control because you only need to get to a space and get the cube from that space to get rid sure. of it. Yeah. So I, uh, I don't really know exactly what kind of genre that falls into. It's almost like like 4X where it's like expand, expand exploit. Um, uh, of course, there's no exterminate or... Uh, or explore because the board is open, but definitely that like kind of uh, you know expand your network, exploit the the resources that are there more quickly than your opponents can. Um, so may say it's a two x game, <laughs> if uh, if that if that works for genre. Well, whatever it is, I like it. Yeah, I like the player boards. That's my favorite part. I, I love the. I know you said it was a rondelle, and I wasn't familiar with the term when you when you told me that, and we you know we looked them up, looked up a bunch of. Josh was familiar with it, but we looked up some stuff on Board Game Geek, and you know maybe, <laughs> but I feel like yours is very unique. Yeah, it's a little different than the the typical rondelle. Right, right. So. Well, it's it's laid out in a linear fashion, but it's definitely a rondelle. I mean, you're definitely moving from one. I know it's a circle. I'm not saying it's not, but I just meant like the the building <laughs> the tableau under you know in the way I don't know. I saw all the little train cars and all. Things that make it different from regular rondelle is that you build your own rondelle, which um, you know. Uh, I think in Kalos you get to build like a rondelle for the whole team for the whole table, but like this one you get to build your own, and there are you can pay a lot you can pay to to activate it in different ways. So each space in the rondelle has different things you can do in those spaces, and you can pay to do more and more and more of those things, or to move further and further. Or you know it's very um, it's a very liquid game. But a lot of games like this you see are, are really tight and really crunchy. You got to plan everything in advance. Imperial really just kind of lets you let you spend your way through any difficulties you have. Like if you got the mana, yeah, like, yeah, of course you can do that if you got the mana. You can right. you can afford it. And uh, and that's not usually true in these style of games. So one thing a lot of people told me that this is a game that's very very liberating if you come from the like other games in the genre. You uh-huh. feel like, "Oh, I could just do anything in this game." Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. I mean, you are when you when you say engine building, you're you're I mean, yeah, it's a train game. So there's a pun intended, but you're truly building a engine that you can kind of control and manipulate in a way that's beneficial to you. Maybe on turn A, it's beneficial this way, and on turn Y, it's you know you manipulate it in a different way. And I think to me, 
obviously there are multiple facets to this game, but I think to me, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, Tom, but I think the, this was one of the aspects of the game that was most intriguing. What? Which aspect? That b- being a, being able to create an engine uh, and using that rondelle mechanism so that, you know, maybe, you know, turn three, you hit stops one, three, five, and turn four, you hit stops two, four, and then you go to the end. Sure, yeah. I mean, I think, like you said, I mean, if the more you played this, you could definitely be snatching those train cars for the end game and just kind of stowing them away and be skipping over them in the in the short term and like be having having different levels of strategy be working like you said on, on the future and the present you know kind of at the same time yeah. but i think that was my favorite part you kind of said that you're saying that it's real liquid um i like the fact that you really can't get stuck like you you were saying like you know, worst case scenario, you're like, oh, I just really can't do a good move this time. Well, let's just, um, I've already forgotten what it's called again. Um, yeah. Administrate. Uh, and then, yeah. then I'm then I'm good to go, you know, next turn. So I, I love that about it. Like even Terra Mystica, which is one of my favorite games, you can absolutely put yourself in a corner. Yeah, you just shoot yourself in the foot and you can't do anything. But this game always feels like there's something to do. Um, I love that the car, you know, the build in the tableau system, the way it is. Like one of the things that you were saying when you played, like you discovered the, the combo and it was really great. But then by the time you got to the end of the of the game, you realized that it just wasn't it wasn't actually doing what you needed. It wasn't the economy you wanted. And you see you you dropped it and did something else. And I think one thing that a lot of players looking at this game may not see in the first game is that every, every like you get all these engine components, but they have a limited a limited lifespan of usefulness. And. You grab a thing, and just as quickly, you have to be ready to abandon it and adapt your strategy with the limited slots that you have. Right. So it's definitely a game that um, that rewards you for for building for the you know for both the short term and the long term, but not over the whole game. You don't have to capitalize on advantage for the entire game. You can grab something for right now, and that can still be a valid move. Yeah, like for instance, I was so gonna grab car bomb and take out Tom's world spanner. <laughs> But, but, and in hindsight, I should have done that. But I felt like a total jerk, so I didn't do it. You hear him still like saying he should have done that. Like it, he still thinks that the combo was too strong. <laughs> not, we've already disproved that it wasn't too strong. It wasn't too strong. Oh man, we did have a question oh, about this. So when we played with you, we played yeah. four players, and mm-hmm. we used four sections of the board. Yeah, we didn't even. I don't know why we didn't think about it, or maybe we didn't discuss it, but. When we played four players, we followed the rules and the, the like, whatever you call the script in the game, and it threw out mm-hmm. five boards. And that's the reason I won. And that is because two of them started on one end, and then Ryan started on the very edge of the map. Um, and then mm-hmm. I started, like, dead center with, and I could just, or not dead center, but I pretty much had complete run of the middle of the map, and nobody yes. ever got in my way, you know? I think it's one of the things that we do need to put in the rule book uh, when we when we when we do the final version is that like like try to start in the center because a center start is much stronger than edge start. Um, but uh, all that to say, um, the we actually are still doing some rebalancing. And when we played with you guys, um, we were testing out the uh, like doing tiles equal to number of players, uh-huh. and invent- and so we um, we ended up deciding that that was going to be the correct way to play the game was uh, was in tiles instead of n plus one right so well, i agree with that because the, like i the said it's now been reduced uh, yeah i felt like when um when we played with you guys like everybody was having a tough time bumping into each other and there was a lot mm-hmm. more competition over the resources yeah, and trying and to hurry and see. get there and i wasn't i was just like i'm just gonna try to get i mean i was turning in how many josh like six seven eight at a time 
you know, every time I was, you know, yeah, cashing in. So like, I was just pretty crazy. I was just stretching out everywhere, you know, and then nobody was competing, so I didn't have any reason to rush to the city, you know, um, because I could mm-hmm. just keep keep getting, you know, stretching out in every direction. So yeah, I mean, and, and like I said, it had a lot to do with them kind of really weirdly spreading out on the edges, and I was just like, uh, okay, I'll just start in the middle. <laughs> Yeah, so that's that's a part of game design that you don't really hear a lot about. Like you hear about developing all these cool mechanics and everything, but you don't really hear about like how we decided to start with four tiles instead of five tiles, or why we decided to end the game on like five deliveries instead of six, or why we right. decided that you know this bonus is going to be worth one point instead of like triangular points. But those were a lot of what the game, what the development is in the late stages of the game, where we are right now with Imperial. So we're like we're running playtests, and we're yeah, and we just tried to, you know different like different configuration. What if we start with tile less? You know, what if we make this worth one point at the end of the game instead of like this escalating score? So we used to have like, um, and I think maybe we still did when we played with you guys. We had the the in-game scoring bonus be like zero if you had one color, and then one if you had two colors, and then three if you had three colors, and then like six with four colors, and then ten with five colors, and fifteen if you got all six colors. But we found that that was just like that was just a win more bonus because if you managed to get to all six cities, like you got fifteen extra points, it was not something you could actually compete with. Whoever just got six cities always won. So right. we ended up taking that bonus down to just one point per different color that you got, and it's felt a lot more competitive. You can you can afford to skip a city if you can make a good enough delivery to the same city twice. For sure, and I and. I think this is a good opportunity to say that you guys just announced that you're going to do open play testing from now, I assume, until uh, until the Kickstarter to try and further refine a system that's already mm-hmm. significantly refined. I think if you released it at this point, it would be an amazing ga- game, and I would sign up right away. But just so our listeners know, you can go and uh, download the mod and play this on tabletop for free and kind of join in and help uh, help further refine. Yeah, and if you record if you record ten games on our uh, game recorder, you play play ten games, record them. At the end of the Kickstarter project, everybody who plays ten games will get into the rulebook and will get a free upgrade from the basic pledge to the deluxe edition, which has all the nice player boards, nice components, and everything like that. Yeah, oh gosh, that's so. pretty awesome. You shouldn't have told him that because yeah. now I'm gonna have to play like I guess at least well, we have to record Eight them all. More. So ten Wait, games ho- this hopefully, weekend. Hopefully, hopefully sure. that doesn't upset you too much. <laughs> well, no, it, but, it doesn't. It doesn't upset me, <laughs> but he'll make me do it asap. <laughs> He's like, we gotta do it right now. <laughs> make sure they We're don't. We're doing quit. it tonight, Tom. We're doing it. Imperial oh, marathon. It's it's an all night marathon. I think those last few After recordings this. wouldn't be as valuable to you when we're delirious and just don't <laughs> oh, even me, okay. messing messing up every rule. Those those are those are the ones you remember. Those are the best. Yeah, we I've late had a night, few of those. late night gaming at you know at twelve a.m. Oh man, we made some terrible decisions. Me and have you ever played Codex? Uh, yeah, I have. I have. I have a copy of Codex. Okay, so how long did it take you to learn that game? Like, pull it out. I don't know if you watch a video. We usually watch videos and then. I read the rulebook. It took me about twenty minutes to. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's what we figured. Yeah. you know. Yeah. Well, okay. So, Tom, how, how long did it take you? I don't remember. I just know when we st- when we sat down and then when we got up. But we played it and learned the rules all at the same time. But um, Ryan and his wife had came over and they live about two hours away, and we had had a whole day of gaming. And when we started like nine or ten o'clock in the morning, we gamed until maybe about ten at night, and then our wives went to sleep you know and then we kept going and we finished some game at about 1 a.m maybe 2 a.m 
and we're like what should we play next you know because i mean we're just you know got no sense at all and we're like you know codex seems fun let's try that and so we pull it out <laughs> it's about 1 30 when we fi- finally like get started reading the rules we oh, we we both felt like even now I, I could tell you i was like it seemed like that game was about you know 45 minutes you know to an hour is probably what it took to play the actual game right we went to sleep at about 5 a.m. And it's like, Jeez. it's like, wow, what, wow, wow. what happened? <laughs> we, we were just so out of it. Just like, so t- just exhausted. You know, it was like. I, this... I got a story kind of like that. We played Gloomhaven. You know, I'm sure you know Gloomhaven, oh, yeah. right? Yeah, I love Gloomhaven. So we played Gloomhaven and we played, we got to like scenario two or scenario three. And we, we like, we died. And we're like, man, that was really rough. And we played the scenario again and we died again. And we like, and we're like, well, how do we, how do you even beat this thing? And I talked to one of my friends about it. And he's like, how do you ever die in that game? And um, and apparently, apparently I had missed the rule where you can like block damage just by losing a card. Yeah. And <laughs> and so we had just been like, you know, like just taking all damage, absorbing all damage wow. in the fight. And um, I, I was like, man, this game is really brutal. But uh, but apparently it's a game you actually can't lose if you don't, if unless you, unless you miss the rules. So, but it's like, it's one sentence on like page thirty-two or something. Yeah, that, you, uh, you can, but it, you you'd have to just be completely, you know, I don't know. You'd have to just he, really he's use a guest, resources Tom, terrible. Don't, yeah, Tom, well, don't say it. he's a guest. Be nice. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm saying like if you were playing correctly, <laughs> you, he's right here, Tom. You, he's literally right in front of us. All right. Anyway, anyway, moving on from Gloomhaven. Moving on from that. Well, there's 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 one character in there, and I can't remember who it is, but it actually that's one of their powers is to like alter the the damage block. So I'm assuming y'all didn't play with it because if you had, you would have obviously known like half of their cards or about that. Oh, okay. Um, no, anyway. I guess we didn't we didn't play with the tank character. Um, yeah, that's I think the that's one. Like the uh, well, heart or something. Yeah, cra- we didn't yeah play with him. that's who we played as. That's I was the oh, okay. Craghart, and the, we were, me and my wife did the thing where you. you yeah, each I was two I was the caster, so losing cards to block damage really wouldn't have been a good idea for me anyway. But <laughs> right, for the right. other players in the party, it might have saved our lives a couple times. Yeah, yeah I love Gloomhaven. Going back to Imperial, this this game has is truly you know the theme. You feel the theme. What was it? What were what were the design elements that you were sure you had to put in there in order to make that shine through? We wanted to make a game where you felt like you were in, you were the architect of this system. That you had made these choices. That this was the product that you had created through your through the things you had done in the game. So what we really focused on, I think, is that player agency and that player uniqueness. Like I can play a company one way one game i could play a company completely different another game and it'll feel really different and you can play a company and play them different than me and you'll feel like that, that you own that company now um i believe that the game is really a, a lot about player agency and i kind of have this general philosophy for games that a game the the game should also be a way that you can express your personal style and and through through the strategic choices you make and so you know, I like to play games a certain way. I like it when the game allows me to play in my preferred way. So, and then I can test my method against other players' methods. And um, I think that's what really makes keeps it interesting. Yeah, sounds great. Um, let's go over the Kickstarter. Um, so this episode will be releasing on the 23rd. So the Kickstarter is going live the 27th. Is that what you said? Yeah, we're planning on the 27th. Um, okay. Now, it's not like, uh, you know, it's, it's not set in stone. We can always delay if we have some troubles, but we're planning on the 27th. Okay. And um, 
we will uh, when we launch the project, the base pledge tier should be about sixty dollars for this game. The um, super fancy deluxe edition, ninety nine dollars, and the game is it's about I'd say it's about one and a half times the size of Argent if you've played Argent. Um, wow. The game is like base game's about nine pounds. It's got 240 miniature trains. It's got a ton of uh, tokens, like like 12 punch boards in this game. It's a, it's a pretty massive uh, game. But I think it'll be something that will sit on your shelf as a game you can play with anyone. It'll be something that like that sits at the front of your shelf. You're like, you know, do you, do you play board games? No, we can play Imperial. Yes, we can play Imperial with all the cool advanced stuff. Um, and and it'll be and it'll be great. So it's a game I think has a, a really broad appeal. Is is there going to be like lots of expansions and stuff um, available during the Kickstarter? We've planned for one expansion if we reach the stretch goal for it. Okay. In that expansion, we have some of the metros, like the the special variant plays. Um, we're going to put a few of those into the base game as well. So there will be like cities that you build or, or regions of the world, and these regions have variant rules. Um, so some of them sell you special train cars, some of them sell you special specialists, some of them will give you new types of delivery options, etc. Um, but, uh, let me say, the expansion will have the two new companies, will have um, more, uh, you know, rules for team play. You can play up to eight on teams, and you'll have a couple other variants that uh, that are in testing right now. So we have, but we, we, we're probably just going to do the one expansion and you'll, you can get it through the project. Yeah, the metros, the metros and the team play, I mean, that, that gets me more excited about the game than anything. You know, when you were telling us about it, um, when we were playing the game, uh, uh, that, that definitely tickles my, you know, niche for it. I think there's a lot of room for expansion in this game. I mean, I, there's so much in the base game, absolutely. But, I, you know, my mind is kind of spinning with all the possibilities. I mean, it just seems like such an open system. Oh, uh, yeah, we got, we got, like, Lots of ideas. We've got stretch goals for extra extra specialists, for extra captains, for um, like I said, the two extra companies. We're gonna have like create a character tiers so that you can create your own character in this world of Indians. And a lot of the characters um, that you may see in Imperial have actually been created characters from our past projects that are showing up again as part of this world. So we have that uh, that element as well. When you create a character in this kind of world of Indians, it's a living world. Your character will show up in future games in different roles. Yeah, I think a lot. Of, I think a lot of the listeners and backers are going to be excited. Yeah, about that. and and you said when we were playing that you said all the the cards in the game and everything there. That's actually all going to be punch board, not not like mm-hmm. playing cards. That's still yeah. Uh, there's no playing that's for cards for the base game. game. Yeah, the base okay. game and um and the expansion there's there's no cards anywhere in the game that seems really reasonable 60 bucks for a game of this size you know so impressive that you could get it for that price point yeah the base game has those those paper there are those like mats that are like you know like uh kind of like they show up in millennium blades but with the deluxe edition we want to have these really cool folios i think i talked about those a little earlier Yeah, yeah they like they have like a big embossed foil logo on the back and you know, you open it up and it's got your, your company layout. All so that kind of folds up like a menu, so cool. sort of. Yeah, yeah, it'll look like a menu. Um, I'm really excited. I'm really excited for these deluxe components. Yeah, you need to do like one more level of just like you add like one extra, like one extra train mini or like 
have a, a special <laughs> character that's just one of the regular ones with like a mustache drawn on it and pin and like sell oh, it for like man. 200 and Josh will go all in on it. <laughs> oh no, I oh, know. <laughs> I've, th- I've already PM'd you my credit card. <laughs> <laughs> I've been cautioned. I've been cautioned against, against, so the deluxe edition is pure components. There's no, okay. there's no game. There's no game in the deluxe edition. You can get everything from the retail edition. The only thing you get in the deluxe edition is upgraded parts. There's no Kickstarter exclusive or anything. Yeah, I'm glad to hear that because I always, always see these guys, you know, I don't know who they are, but all these people on Kickstarters, when I back one, there'll just be forums and comments for days, you know, fussing. Either the, the, they either put too many stretch goals, right, and they're mad because they're only Kickstarter exclusive and they're never going to have a chance. They don't have the money right now or they don't put yeah. enough and they feel like they're getting gypped, you know, and I'm just like, quit complaining, you know, these people, you know, it's like, you don't you have know, to back I, it. I, you people, know? people that create Kickstarter exclusives, they just like money more than I do, yeah. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> it just seems more straightforward, you know. It's, it's, I mean, there's a lot of reasons to do it, um, but I, uh, I don't know. I like I like that people can own the entire game. That said, that said, Imperial may be a game that if we don't reach certain thresholds, does not actually go to retail. It may remain exclusive to our store because it um, the game is so expensive to produce that it would cost me 130 at the base price. Like only if I print a certain number of thousands can I get to a level where it goes to retail at 80 dollars instead of 130. And yeah. I don't think I don't even a game that big at you know at, at that weight i don't think i could sell for 130 in retail so right yeah i mean it sounds right, like kickstarter yeah. is a good solution for this yeah and that's still it's still impressive to me i mean i don't i think if you had had said it was going to be 80 you know the kickstarter i mean josh would still be throwing money at his screen right now trying to get it so i think i the, don't know where to insert my money how do i put this in the computer <laughs> where do I, I think, I think we'll, we'll tell you i'll tell you all about it on april 27th Okay. Okay. Well, (laughs) we're excited. We we really appreciate you coming on. We do. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you guys. It has been a good time. I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with me. Yeah, really enjoyed it. Well, I hope you guys have a great weekend, and um, I'll see you next time we want to play a game. Awesome. Looking forward to it. All right. You too, and good luck with the Kickstarter. I think that'll do it for the show. Um, Josh, I want to thank you again for coming on and helping me out with this. I know. I hope you had fun talking to Brad. Um, definitely was a cool experience for me. Yeah, Tom, it was great. Thanks so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Well, I wanted to let everybody know about we're doing our giveaways. I know I mentioned it in the last episode, but we are starting. I'm hoping to start a monthly giveaway, but our first one's going to be for the month of May. If you want to qualify for that, starting when this podcast is released, April 23rd. Any review that's left for us on Facebook or on iTunes will enter, automatically enter you into win, and that will go from now until the end of May, so a month and an extra week or so. And at the end of May, um, we're going to you know tally up everything and just draw a random name, and you'll qualify for a prize. And when whenever we... Um, get these some of these prizes you know and let's, we'll let you know what they are you know before we actually draw but i don't know what it's going to be just yet but it'll be something good could just wind up being a gift certificate to cool stuff or something like that or or an actual game we ship to you um also we are doing retrocon 
That's a local con here in South Georgia, Waycross. We are going to be setting up a Pixel Tactics tournament. And, um, and actually, we talked to Brad off the air, and he's going to be possibly sponsoring some of the giveaways. So that's exciting, but we'll update you on, on a little more on that next episode. We're also going to be at OkiCon doing some more stuff. We're going to be giving away some stuff there. That's in Waycross as well. That's coming up in May. That is May 5th, so that's the very next weekend and um there'll be more stuff to to qualify there if anybody wants to come out you can we're gonna be doing some pixel tactics tournaments at both both of those cons and giving away stuff and having drawings and play to wins and that kind of stuff um you can find us on itunes google play stitcher anywhere that podcasts are found um, find us on facebook and twitter at who shuffled and i think that's a wrap thanks for coming on the show again josh i really enjoyed it and thanks for listening to who shuffled i'm tom tanner i'm josh vickers Thanks for listening to Who Shuffled. Find us on Twitter and Facebook at Who Shuffled.